Welcome to Bloodstained, an offshoot of the Vintage Horror Podcast. I'm Kyle, and with me today, I have Brady. Hello. So this is going to be a side project offshoot where we just talk about Giallo movies. Gialli, if you would. It's our uh, our side piece, if you will. Yes. To, so to start out, I guess we'll just go over what exactly a giallo is i'm sure a lot of people have heard the name and they might have an idea but we'll go a little bit more in depth um for everyone this way you kind of get that um full knowledge so you're a pro like us Mm -hmm. so giallo often refers to the thriller horror genre that has mystery or detective elements the movies usually blend the atmosphere and suspense of like a thriller fiction with elements of horror and eroticism which, you know, <laughs> all about that. I be in two. <laughs> oh my God. And in most Jally, the killer's identity is revealed in the third or final act of the film. Um, it's often cited as the predecessor of the modern slasher genre and kind of gained steam in the 1960s and peaked in like the 70s, even though it did continue well into the 80s, 90s. And I guess you could say there are some more modern ones that are out. Uh, giallo films get their name from the Italian word for yellow because of the paperback mystery and crime novels uh, with yellow covers that were popular in Italy, which the movies uh, adopted elements from. And though not all giallo movies were necessarily made in Italy. Um, I would say most of them are European. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in Spain. Um, of course, most of them I would say of note are from Italy. And um, oftentimes, Jolly, when you rewatch, uh, you notice things that you probably didn't see the first time around, which uh, kind of clues you into the identity of the killer, but are only obvious after you know who the killer is and after you've seen the movie once. Yeah. Um, that's a big hallmark. Most times, the, uh, the killers wear black gloves and don some sort of disguise and murder people in violent and gory ways. Also pretty creative ways. You don't get the standard. I mean, you do get some just regular knife kills, but a lot of them are out of the box. And um, even if they are just knife kills, they're, they're pretty creative. I would definitely say like a lot of people probably just when they hear what we just described, described think just Italian slasher. Um, and it's true that, you know, there are a lot of influences on the slasher genre um, from uh, Giallo movies, but there, it's really hard to give a well-defined definition of what a giallo is. Um, like Kyle said, you know, you have typically killer has black gloves, masks, uh, knife. There's a, just a tremendous amount of gore in these. But the thing for me that really distinguishes a giallo from a slasher is the, I would call it overly stylized kills. Um, 
you know, the music is just insane in these movies. Uh, but the kills are not just some of the most creative, but just the amount of time that the camera dwells on the kills uh, really sets these apart. Um, you know, there's, it's definitely, definitely, like we said, uh, heavy erotic themes in these two, which is not typically found in a lot of slashers, I would say, you know, you, you, you know, you have your naked camp counselors or your naked babysitters, but uh, there's a lot of lingering shots, <laughs> especially in, in opera. Uh, that we'll I would say about. they don't linger long enough, but that's just, <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, you don't want to you don't want to give away too much. You want to leave some to the imagination. Sure, sure. Uh, it's also got <laughs> typically there's a woman in peril, a really beautiful lead actress who's in peril uh, and has to go around trying to figure out who who it is. And also, while I, I mean, most Jello movies or films, if that's what you want to call them, if you're a snob like some people um i guess if you're watching a lot of gialli you're probably a snob <laughs> but uh, uh they lack good character development they lack good dialogue um they, they don't really have realistic performances and the decision makings are often bizarre and very poor by the characters but while it lacks those things which i gives it a certain charm those things yeah. i'm not gonna lie but it, it's also very abundant in um, like you said, Brady, uh, like stylized kills, um, great editing, shot and production design. That's all like usually all very stylized. Um, it's got a very certain, I don't want to say certain kind of music, but it's heavy in its musical, at least cues and when music pops up in the movies and, uh, yeah, overall, overall, like the visual style is pretty, um, apparent. I don't know how else to describe it. It's very, yeah, I guess, stylized. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that's just the best way to describe it. Like, and I think it just goes back to there's really no concrete way to define what a giallo is because there's so many different things that go into it. There's so many influences that uh, lend itself to a giallo film, but also go from giallo to uh, mainstream, like we think today. I mean, think Basic Instinct, right? Um, from 1992, Michael Douglas, Sharon Stone. I'm sure yeah, we I've all remember seen. that scene. I oh. know the scene. But that's the only part <laughs> of that movie I've ever seen. Kyle's probably seen that specific scene on YouTube about 25 times a day. I'm about uh, to buy it on 4K just ooh. so I can pause it. Uh, but you think of that, it's a, it's a big mystery, erotic, whodunit. Uh, and that's what Giallo really means to me. Like when I think of a Giallo film, um, like we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So we're going to be talking today about opera i don't remember the year maybe 87 uh i thought it was 91 was it no fucking way dude that can't be real this <laughs> was it really uh, it was 87 it was 87. Yeah, 87 okay so that's what i thought um so it says the release date was 1991 though that could be the u.s maybe though. yeah maybe the u.s uh because i know it was definitely released first in italy most of these are released overseas first and then make their way over here slowly especially back before the internet it took it did take a while for these movies to get over here so opera is a it's about a young opera singer who was stalked by a deranged fan bent on making her watch as they kill people associated with her um to claim her for themselves that's just an overall synopsis of the movie um it's directed by Dario Argento. 
who's who's that the master of thrill who made his name in the 70s and 80s directing writing producing and even being a critic of horror films uh most notably gialli or giallo films Mm. um he directed some pretty big movies like the animal trilogy which consists of uh the bird with the crystal plumage great movie the cat oh nine tales which i believe i could be wrong but I, i i believe that's the movie that just got a 4k release um I don't know if that's out yet or not, but I think that did. Um, and Four Flies on Grey Velvet, which I'm not going to lie. I never even fucking heard of that one until looking this stuff up. Um, he also did the Three Mothers trilogy, which consists, well, it starts out with probably his biggest, most well-known movie, which would be Suspiria, I would argue. Um, and then yeah. goes to Inferno and Mother of Tears. And Mother of Tears, I believe, came out in 2007. And that's why I said earlier that, you know, it, it peaked in the 70s, allegedly, but it was more were made well beyond those, uh, you know, that decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other standalones like Deep Red, um, which is probably one of the bigger Giallo movies out there. Um, Tenebrae, Phenomena, and of course, this film, Opera. Yeah. Um, um, you know, he also teamed up with George Romero uh, to do uh, Take on Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else has seen it. Uh, John Carpenter actually cites Argento as one of the biggest influences um, on Halloween. Like his earlier works were a big, big influence on the original Halloween. Yeah. And with Dawn of the Dead, he, uh, uh, allegedly, I mean, a lot of these are just hearsay and people talking. I don't know if there's a lot of, um, I don't know, proof of this kind of stuff. But allegedly when George Romero was coming up with the script for Dawn of the Dead, he invited uh george romero come out to italy and like stay in one of his houses i guess he owned many houses and he sat like allowed him to just sit there and write it over the course i believe it was two weeks Mm -hmm. i I could be wrong on that but i know that um because of that george romero actually gave uh well i guess it was kind of like an exchange kind of thing i guess he did it um as long as george romero would give Dario Argento the rights to the european release or at least the italian release of this uh of Dawn of the Dead, and he even has his own cut, which I haven't seen yet. I do own it now that it's out on 4K, um, but a- allegedly it has a lot of the same kind of uh, tropes that you would find in Giallo movies, yep. um, such as like the music's a lot different, allegedly. Um, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I, I will be checking that out eventually. Yeah, he took a break from directing for a little while and wrote two screenplays which uh, we know as Demons and Demons 2. Um, you know, I know a lot of people probably think that when they think of Demons, they probably think Dario Argento. I do. Um, it, right, and he's a big part of it, but he just wrote the screenplays for it. Um, and I think, I forget the name, is it, I'm going to butcher it, Mario Bava, right? Bava, Beva. Uh, he was the actual director on Demons and Demons 2. Yeah, I believe it's Bava. But very much an Argento-esque film, if you will. I mean, he's just, like you said, the, the master of thrill. He, he's, when you go back, he might not have been the first one to make a Giallo film, but he's definitely the one who perfected it and mastered it and really just ran it into the ground. Because you got to think, before this, you had Italian cinema was mainly spaghetti westerns. And 
that's actually where he got started. He was a critic in high school that wrote for a local magazine uh, and then went on to assist in writing screenplays for another famous Italian director. Um, but his first one was a spaghetti Western. I believe it was called Once Upon a Time in the West. And from there, he just really followed the horror vein, um, which is apparent in one of the characters in the movie we're going to be discussing today, opera. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up spaghetti westerns because a lot of giallo movies are called spaghetti horror or spaghetti mm-hmm. thrillers, I believe, um, which is kind of like a silly little name that I've never actually heard somebody call it. <laughs> I guess giallo sounds a little more bougie. The first time I heard of the term spaghetti western was in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when DiCaprio's character goes over to Italy in like the twilight of his career. And he's like, yeah, he started making spaghetti westerns. And I was like, oh. Yeah, well, you know, uh, (laughs) I guess you didn't uh, know a lot of things about movies growing up, Brady. (laughs) I guess not. uh, Yeah, because I remember hearing that, like, term forever ago. I know there was a famous boxer. Who the fuck was it? Um, He was a champion, and then he lost, like, once and said, fuck this. And he just went over to Italy and started making spaghetti westerns. Oh, I guess you didn't watch a lot of boxing growing up. (laughs) I didn't. (laughs) Boxing is boring as fuck, and I'll, I'll stand by that all day, every day. So Damn. opera, um, I don't know if we plan on rating this ourselves later out of five, but it has a seven out of 10 on IMDb, uh, 91% on the tomato meter and 79% audience score, which yeah. that's pretty high, especially for like something like Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and then it has a 3.6 out of five on Letterbox. Yeah. I'm not into Letterbox. I don't know much about it. I know you're a big fan and writer on Letterbox or critic is that what you would be considered uh i mean i don't want to brag or nothing but i've i've posted about 10 different movie reviews on there so i mean it's it's in the double digits no i mean letterbox is cool i think it's a really good way for people to get their thoughts out into a community that isn't so um it's not like Twitter. It's not like film Twitter. Film Twitter can go suck a dick. Like that I think is all the of Twitter can suck a dick. Yeah, but especially film Twitter, like nobody just watches a movie and i say this on a podcast where we review movies but nobody can watch a movie anymore just to enjoy it it seems like everybody has to analyze it i mean look at james wan's malignant which is also very much uh full of giallo influence uh people are on there like nobody can just say it was a good movie they have to pick it apart or they have to praise it and say the other person's wrong and it's like that's the worst place to be. But anyways, Letterboxd is great because people can just freeform write their review or just their thoughts about it. It can be a sentence. It can be one word. It can be 12 pages and you just throw it up there. Um, I have a good friend, Brian, uh, Brian Loy. He was part of Epic Film Guys, um, you know, met him through Justin, but he's just a great writer and he'll just post like 10 at a time and they're always fun to write. So I, I think it's a good, it's a good way to, to, showcase your skills and your love of film without feeling snobby speaking of malignant because again you did say it has so i've heard other people compare it to a modern day giallo um mm-hmm. kind of film um would you say that falls under the giallo banner uh yeah i mean i don't want to ruin it but like the killer in it has black gloves masked the face is hidden you have a female lead who is trying to figure out who the killer is 
the music, the kills, the the lighting in it, the, just the colors. I would definitely say it's it's malignant. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> malignant is giallo, um, or it at the very least heavily heavily influenced by it. Um, I think also there's another one that just came out recently called The Last Matinee, which is also dubbed over. It's an Italian film. Um, that one's really good too. That one is just pure uh, giallo. It's about the last matinee, the last showing in this old theater in the 90s in Italy. And there's a bunch of people in there that keep getting killed by this mysterious killer with a, a penchant for collecting eyeballs. So it's, it's pretty fun. But yeah, if you haven't seen Malignant, I would say go see it. Yeah, the movie was kind of spoiled for me. Um, I don't know if I told you that. Mm -mm. But uh, let me read you the exact fucking tweet that I saw like hours before I was going to watch this. All right, here's a spoiler alert. If anybody has not seen Malignant, skip like 30 seconds ahead. Yeah. The tweet is, gotta love a killer who takes the time to put on a coat backwards before going to work. (laughs) So I saw that and the whole time I was just like, well, obviously like the person's backwards like and then i like as soon as she like bled from her head i said yeah it's her and that thing is still just on her and i just knew it the whole time so when i first saw this i said (laughs) this is not like a giallo because i know exactly what's happening and it's fucking pissing me off and then when it ended i said great i knew it the whole time yeah i didn't think it was a bad movie though um i don't know if sam exactly enjoyed it but i don't think she's kind of into those sort of movies yeah um but I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was the greatest movie ever. And like people were like, I don't James Wan. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. Like they're like, Oh, his return to horror wasn't just a return. Like he dominated and like, it was okay. It, it, it was good. Yeah. I think, but I think his name is so big now. I mean, you think saw the conjuring insidious. Um, I mean, he did Aquaman for fuck's sake. So I think this is him just saying like, coming back to it and saying, yeah, like I'm in control of the horror genre right now. Like who else is up there with him other than Ar- some Ari Aster. I wouldn't say he's up there with James Wan though. Ari Aster's got two movies with modern stuff. I'd say he has some of the highest praise modern horror. Yeah, but he doesn't, horror. Yeah, but he doesn't have a catalog. He's a, he's a great, right. he's a great director. I love Ari Aster and I love his work, but he doesn't have the same, catalog that james wan does right and so i think when james wan came back he just made a film that was fun like it yeah. didn't take itself too seriously like some of the conjuring movies did or it didn't... i've only seen the first one uh well it you know like the first one's super super good and i think it, it's effective psychological horror or supernatural horror and as they go on though like they just take themselves too seriously and, and you get the same tropes and this one he just said fuck it He's like, I want to make a movie that's fun. It's absurd, as everybody keeps calling it bonkers. You know, that's that's what it is. And it was just for me watching the movie, my mouth was like gaped open the whole time because just the kills were insane. The way the killer moved, like you said, it got ruined for you. But like, it almost looked like the fucking Matrix whenever he moved. Honestly, like the shit he did, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Or yeah, there's like that chase scene where he's uh, the one detective is chasing him through like the underground of Seattle, uh-huh. and I was like, how the fuck is he moving like double jointed like this? And I knew a kid in high school who was double jointed, and he could not move like this. So I knew it wasn't that. <laughs> but it was just, I don't know. I enjoyed it, and I've watched it twice now. Um, oh wow! HBO Max from home. Uh, I wanted to go see it in theaters, but just with the work schedule, it, I wasn't going to gotcha. be able to see it until gotcha. like, tomorrow. But yeah, enough about Malignant though. Let's get back enough, to enough. opera. Um, so, how do you want to do this? Um, <clears throat> you know, we can talk about the cast. 
Um, or let's start with this. What did you think? Like from the get go, did you think you knew who the killer was in this giallo? Okay, so I'm going to be completely honest. The whole time I said, dude, I'm the smartest person in the room. <laughs> Granted, I was just the only person in my room. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I could have sworn it was going to be uh, Stefano, who was played by William McNamara, mm-hmm. um, who's like the boyfriend, Betty's boyfriend, I guess. I guess it's what he's supposed to be. I don't know. Like this, like the thing about mm-hmm. Giallo is like, they're so fucking weird. Like the way <laughs> characters interact. I never, like, I don't know. Anyway, I thought it was him. I was like, oh, this motherfucker, like, it's definitely him. Uh, and then when he died, I said, okay, I was really fucking wrong. So then I said, in it's the first like, 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I said, all right, well, then I'm too smart for this. I know it's Mira. Or no, not Mira. Um, uh, the, the, the Carolina, I think that's... No, no. Are you uh, talking Car- about the Soprano before? Wait. Betty? No. G- Julia? Is that how... Yeah, Julia, I guess that's how it's pronounced. Her Played by Carolina... Oh, Tad- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tadaldi Tassani or whatever. Uh, the seamstress bitch. And mm-hmm. then when she got killed, I said, okay, I don't know who the fuck it is, so I'm just going to go on this ride. Yeah. But I, I, I did suspect uh, the inspector, like Alan Santini, but I thought, like, that's way too obvious. Like, when he showed up and the autograph thing was, like, really awkward, I said, that's too obvious. Like, I feel like that's a red herring. Yeah. No, I felt the same way. Like, when he showed up, I couldn't let myself believe that they would be this obvious with who the killer was. So as soon as he leaves, even though he was acting just like a killer would in that movie, right? I did. I was like, yeah, he, he's fine. Um, I really thought it was going to be Mark, the director. Marco, yeah, yeah, yeah. Marco, the director. I really, really thought it was going to be him. And then I also thought it was going to be was it Mara who was the soprano before Betty, who got sick or got hit by the car, and that's why she couldn't sing. I don't remember what her name was. Um, she's not in the main cast. I know that. No, I mean, she's barely in the movie, but I was convinced that it was going to be her mm-hmm. and that she was just seeking revenge because she couldn't get her big part and Betty right. got propelled to fame and everybody loved her, which that is also seems very, like a very big trope kind of thing. Yeah, which was also very, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Phantom of the Opera, any of them. No. Uh, but <laughs> it was one of my favorite movies growing up and I have a story for that. But it's very, you know, Phantom of the Opera is this disfigured masked character lives underneath the opera house in France, falls in love with Christine Daae, who is a young soprano who gets launched to fame because she was an understudy and the main event, Carlotta gets sick because the phantom poisons her. And so Christine gets her time to shine. And then Christine falls in love with this other guy accounts and the phantom gets jealous and starts killing people and, and blah, 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 blah. Anyways, it's basically what this movie is. Kind of. It's, it's like a modern take on that obsessive tale. Um, I mean, Argento did go on later to do his own Phantom of the Opera movie. So it's not like he was, this was his one and done. But as a kid, I was so obsessed with Phantom of the Opera. It all started, my cousins growing up, we couldn't listen to any music. Like when my mom got remarried, my 
stepdad who then adopted me took all my Backstreet Boys CDs and threw them out. <laughs> and I was so mad. I'd be like, oh, you guys, like, what kind of music do you listen to? And I was like seven or eight. And they were like, oh, the Irish tenors or Les Mis or Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, oh, I listen to Backstreet Boys. And they were like, oh, that's got nothing on the Irish tenors. Four dudes from Ireland just singing. <laughs> and so they showed me the soundtrack to Phantom of the Opera. And it's just, you know, these big booming organs and a little bit of electronic in there. Uh, and I was hooked and I was in love, but it also terrified me. So they would hide in the basement and send me to go get milk after listening to the soundtrack. And there was only one light in the cellar at the time. And it was like one of those that you had to pull down, but it was in the middle of the room and they would all just hide in the dark. And as soon as I pulled it, they would jump out and scare me. But much like horror does to people, it stuck with me. And <laughs> later on in life, I saw the movie that came out, I think it was 2004, 2005 with Emmy Rosam and uh, Gerard Butler, Gerard Butler. So I just loved it. I watched it sick one day and then I started watching it like every night, every day. As soon as it got done, I would just rewind it to my favorite scenes. I was so obsessed with this movie that I convinced my mom to go and get me a cape and get me a mask that covered half my face, just those white masks. And I would wear it around the house all day. I would be cooking macaroni. I'd be making cereal. I'd be doing school and I would just have this cape and this mask on. <laughs> I'd be like singing in the bathroom and one time my grand my grandparents came over and <laughs> I was just like sitting on the steps with this cape and this and this mask on and my grandma was like Brady I, I think you're getting a little old for this don't you have any like other hobbies or anything and I was like no not really <laughs> they so called you a creepy boy they called me a creepy boy uh yeah, I was like 14 when that ended. So, <laughs> and that was which version of Phantom of the, Phantom of the Opera? That was uh, the 2005 version that Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, Joel Schumacher. Okay. But yeah, really good. You should check it out. But anyways, um, as I was watching this movie, I, I just got those vibes the whole time. So I kept telling myself that it, it couldn't be somebody that we had been introduced to in the cast. It had to be a killer that hadn't been shown in incognito i guess you could say so right. when the reveal happens that it was the inspector it was so obvious but i just completely threw it out the window um you know i i think character wise the the main cast was really really good in this movie which sometimes you don't get in a giallo um but especially uh betty played by christina i think it's marcelach marcelach um she was just stellar like her performance like she did all the heavy lifting in this I movie mm -hmm. um and i think she did a really good job of showing her character's arc where she went from this person who was very green very naive is considered a novice and gets propelled into this fame where now she has all these people obsessed with her but especially one deadly um obsession and Every scene she's in, I, I don't think it's overdone. I think she really balances wanting the fame, but being terrified of the repercussions at the same time. Um, and even the ending, which is, <laughs> ends in a very abrupt, weird way, I thought she still did really well with it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think she, she was really fleshed out, which you don't always see. 
the one thing I do have to say, is, well, I, and again, it's not her fault because mm-hmm. as an actress, I believe she did do a great job. Um, but like when that fucking when Stefano gets killed in front of her, and then she just is like, "Holy shit!" Like she gets untied. She's like, "Holy shit!" And then she like is just like, "All right, now I'm just gonna leave." And then she like leaves, calls the cops from a payphone, and then just like. Gets in the fucking car with Marco, who happens to see her on the street, and like, I don't. She's acting so weird. <laughs> it's so fucking awkward. Can and we... I don't know if it's dubbing or I don't know if it's just the direction, but like the choices that they fucking make are weird. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. I was like, oh, is she barefoot running in the rain? Like she took the time to put a coat on, but didn't put shoes on, and then. <laughs> gets in a car with Marco, who also everybody in this movie up to this point does not like. Everybody hates him. The cast hates him. The stagehands hate him. Uh, His girlfriend hates him. (laughs) Marion. I think one of my favorite uh, lines in this movie is, so before Stefano gets killed, you find out that Stefano and Betty are having some issues with intimacy. And she's just like, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not in the mood. And he gets all weird about it. He's like, well, you know, it's a little weird between us now that you're a big, big star. And it's like, all right, buddy, she had one show. Like, maybe you have some inferiority issues here. Yeah. But then he gets killed. And (laughs) the killer is, like, talking to her while she's tied up. And he's like, it's not true that you're frigid. You're a bitch in heat. (laughs) And then when she gets in the car with Marco... He, like, makes a reference to her being a soprano, and they're all known to be whores and loose. And she's like, well, you're a filmmaker, too. And you know what they say about you guys? And he's like, yeah, I always jerk off before I shoot a scene. Yep, yep. I, dude, when I thought that, I said, that's my fucking guy. He knows what he's doing right there. I was like, hey, he's just – that's preparation. You don't go out there with a loaded gun. Something yeah. about Mary? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, and also, like, even – and same thing with, like, uh, Julia. When Julia, that seamstress, when she gets murdered in front of <laughs> Betty – it's the same shit. Like she's like, "Holy fuck, this girl just got murdered and then cut open in front of me," and then she just like walks out and she's like, "Yeah, I'm just not even gonna tell anybody about this." And like, <laughs> wh- like what? Fucking isn't there like a, a whole building full of people? Go be like, "Hey, uh, somebody's out here killing people. Julia's dead in here. Like everybody, watch out." Wouldn't yeah. it be better to like alert people than to just? I don't know. <laughs> also, and did she not see? Because Julia unmasked the killer right that was julia yeah, that she, did that? She, after she gets hit in the fucking back with the iron which yes. is <laughs> some of the worst acting ever and with that like bracelet she's like oh she you want to just take it yeah and then like, throws it like and when she was acting like it was all a big game like there's a fucking masked guy like I, you don't feel any kind of danger right it was ballsy yeah she yeah. like hits him with the iron knocks him out and then sits there for a good five seconds with that look on her face, which also she had the same look on her face when she's like running from the killer originally and grabs the bracelet. And she's like, aha, got it. Yeah. <laughs> He's Dude, like, no, you don't, bitch. I did think it was wild, though, after she gets like, I think she gets choked to death, correct? She gets choked, but then he stabs her with uh, scissors. Yeah. Yeah, to open up her body. I get, he like cuts her open so he can get the uh, bracelet. No, yeah, that, but that, that was before. Her so, he, so the scissors in the scene before fall on the ground. And then he chokes her out, and then he stabs her with the scissors. But then when her hands go up in the air, the right. bracelet <laughs> slow motion falls into her mouth. And then he, like, digs around in her mouth with the scissors and then cuts her throat open, which I yeah. thought was fucking fantastic. Yeah. When he's digging around in her mouth with the scissors and you hear the clanking like Ugh. on the teeth, I was like, this is awful to watch. 
but I also love it. I thought he was going to pull out like a gold tooth or something. That would be sick. That too. would be amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think that was great. And I guess we didn't really mention it, but um, so the killer, whenever he goes to kill people, he tie first, he like, he makes sure that like Betty is separate from them and he ties up Betty and then uses tape with like needles attached to it and puts it under her eyes. So she can't Dude, that blink. was sick though. Yeah. And, but I always love how like, you don't see her blink, but there's just blood suddenly on like on the needles. Yeah. Also, then, how can you keep I, your eyes open that long? Well, I think that's the point. Like that's why there's some blood on the needles. She has to blink eventually. Yeah. But even a half blink, uh, I guess so. Playing but the then game. she also doesn't like have scabs ever. <laughs> like, like it, yeah, I think it's it, true. Maybe it's after Julia, after one of the kills, she like washes her face real quick and then she's like good as new. She's like, all right, fuck it. Also, let me ask you this. So she has some tape over her mouth, which also I think that tape was great. Like, it looked like a some, band-aid or something. It's like some heavy duty. Yeah, it looked like a big band-aid. Yeah. But so she when she first gets untied by the killer after he kills Stefano. So he'll untie her and he's like basically he's just telling her like, yeah, I can access you anytime. If I wanted to kill you, I could. Uh, but I want you to watch everything. So he like unties her hands, and the first thing she does is rip the bandaid off. Yeah, she doesn't not... rip the things under her fucking eyes off. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I th- I said that's really weird to do that first. But I, I mean, mean I guess if there was people around, like okay, with Stefano, it's just them. So first thing I'm doing, I don't care about my mouth because there's nobody to yell to. I'm ripping that shit off my eyes. But like yeah. in Julia, I almost understand. Like she should have ripped that shit off, yelled as she's like pulling it off her eyes. I don't know. Either way, that's a wild like little element to this movie that he makes her watch as he's killing. Some uh, BDSM stuff there, huh? We don't kink shame. We don't kink shame here. No, we sure. Well, he, you well, know, we I sure mean... don't. <laughs> well, I mean, some people do, but it's usually at do. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's because you're like Marco when he's talking about jerking off before he films. Well, you know, sometimes he's got to put it out there. <laughs> um speaking of Marco played by Ian Charlson um I really liked him uh he kind of reminded me a little bit of Sting uh mixed with Billy Idol um hmm. but I also realized after reading through it that he was heavily based on Argento himself being the director uh Argento used to jerk Actually, off before he would shoot right well, okay. probably yeah yeah yeah. you know m- most most classics do um but you he had actually started opera started out as a production he wanted to bring to the stage actually and i forget the name of it i had it written down but i deleted half my notes by accident um anyways he then took that event that happened with the failed production and was like, you know what? I'm going to make a movie about how traumatic it was, how awful it was, how backstabby everybody is. And that's where opera came from. But while he was in the process of making, trying to make that play, he also experienced a lot of people being upset with him or not liking him because he was known as the horror guy. He was a horror director. Nobody took him seriously. And a line in this where the inspector is talking to Marco about trying to figure out the murder and he's like, I'd be very interested in talking to you because you're one of those horror guys. And I did Marco's that. like, well, it's not really safe to base reality off of movies, is it? And so I, I just thought there was a lot of commentary on how Argento himself felt. Um, it's really fun to dig into. And it's cool that he wrote him in a way that showed him as a little bit of egotistical and arrogant too. 
um, because, I mean, it's Argento, so I'm sure he was self-aware enough to know that he was probably a prick, but he could be because he made so many great movies. And I was going to say, I kind of thought he was like portrayed like a, or people like you could feel that everyone around him thought of him as a scumbag, like yeah. a almost like seedy. Yeah, almost like predatory, but also like because I. <sighs> I guess it almost seems like he's trying to fuck Betty right in the beginning, even though he has a girlfriend. And his girlfriend even says, like, oh, you want to take her to bed, don't you? Which still is hilarious to me, because his only response is just smiling at her. It's like, <laughs> dude, that's your fucking girlfriend. What are you doing? But um, to me, he came off his looks. He came off more like the guy who Spider-Man let go and wound up killing Uncle Ben in oh the Tobey Maguire movies. <laughs> they look just like him. All I can think of now is Marco standing in an elevator going, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, I like, I do like how he kind of picks up Betty and then he winds up like taking her out into the country and he tries to be that. Uh, I mean, I mean, maybe it's for other purposes, but maybe he has ulterior motive, but he tries to like save her almost like he tries to be that good guy in the, yeah. the movie. Yeah, he um, does. The knight in yeah. shining armor. Nice guy. Well, he didn't have any armor. No. <laughs> or maybe he would have, you know, not died. Had a better ending. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he wouldn't have been stabbed fifty times. I honestly um, thought that when, at the end of the movie, when he dies, and then the killer, uh, the inspector Allen, he's like running after Betty through like the fields and stuff. I thought that like when the cops come and all that, that. Marco was honestly going to walk out and be like, damn, yeah. we got him. But like, that just didn't happen. No. He's just dead. She like, goes wait. and plays with a fucking lizard instead. Yeah. It was very, and that was very weird too. I yeah. don't know what the lizard was about. But that was very um, weird. Urbano Barbarino played Inspector Alan Santini. Where else do we know him from, Kyle? Uh, I do know Demons, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who he is in Demons, but I know he's in Demons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a hunk. I thought he was like really attractive in this, even when he was missing an eye. And yeah, let's talk was... about the crows for a second, because the opening scene to opera is a bird's eye view of the opera house, and you find out that it's one of the crows. They were crows, right? They weren't I, ravens. I think I would. I thought ravens, but I don't know the difference. Um, so ravens are a little bit. No, crows are bigger. I think ravens are a little more sleek. Um, ravens thought... tap on doors. Um, <laughs> on my chamber door. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. I, that's all I know. Just literally that that's line from Poe. Um, but anyways, I don't know what the fuck they are. I'm not a bird watcher. Okay, I don't have the pamphlet in front of me. But in the movie, the killer. I have it written down in the kills of the movie, and I have three fucking birds in here. <laughs> when he's just going on oh. the rampage in the room after, um. He like goes, the killer goes in and is messing with um, Betty's wardrobe and a crow gets out and these crows are just volatile and he <laughs> kills one and then the rest of the crows start going crazy and start ganging up on him and then he gets scared off. Somebody comes in the room because they hear stuff and all these crows are crowded around a door. Like, wouldn't you think if all these crows are crowded around that door, you would go look at it? Yes. Um, so that whole segment, like, I thought was really weird. I, okay, first of all, when he kills the crows, um, I 
didn't i honestly felt for a second like i'm like they definitely killed some fucking birds in this movie mm-hmm. because when he slashes at them and they just like flop over and you see him flop over i'm like i don't know if that was really well done or that was just a real bird was it i don't know oh, <laughs> dude, that's what i thought and i was like I'm i don't going on record right like, now to say that i hope that was a real bird okay come on man what do you got against birds um, um scurvy I don't know. Do birds carry scurvy? They carry lice, right? So they were crows in the film, but they were called ravens. So in the film, they were crows? They were, they were they, supposed they, to be ravens. They, they were supposed to be ravens, but I But they believe. were played by crows. But they were played by crows. I think that's <laughs> what I'm getting from this, yes. Oh, okay. Ravens probably had too much of a... Like, they would hit the budget too hard, so they probably had to just hire yeah. out some crows. Um, I did think that they were a good tool that was used in the movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty unique. And I did. I, like, I honestly didn't see... When, when they released them, obviously I was like, oh, I get it. They'll recognize the dickhead... Unless they said that earlier in the movie and I didn't hear it, but no, they but, didn't. They didn't. I had to look that up. I was like, "What? Why the fuck are they using crows playing ravens?" Yeah, to... but, but that made like I like that whole little element of how they use the birds to because I've always seen pictures from opera. This is my first time seeing it, so mm-hmm. I've always seen like opera and then usually like a crow there. So yeah. I always, um, I, I I always knew they were in the movie and I figured they had some significance, but like. I, I didn't understand how. Um, yeah, I kind of figured with the opening scene, them showing a bird in an opera house that it was going to fit in, but I had yeah. no idea that they were going to do it in the way they did it. Yeah. So for everybody listening, at the towards the end of the movie, in the final act, they're trying to figure out who the killer is. And so Marco is sitting with Betty, and he's like, I have a plan for tomorrow night's show performance that we're going to out the killer from the audience he says i know he'll be here he wouldn't miss it so i have a plan don't worry so during the play (laughs) margo says now and a cage of ravens just comes flying through the back and this guy is in the cage fucking kicks it open and runs out and the crow this one single crow circles the room for like five fucking minutes and then finally they all swarm out and they start attacking the killer because apparently as i was reading crows are said maybe as a legend to remember the face of somebody who's wronged them yeah I've heard that too. and so the theory that marco had was that if he releases the crow they'll find out who who killed their guy and they i mean they do they fucking attack the inspector and rip his eyeball out and then eat the eyeball yeah, which I thought was pretty sick how they like, they keep swallowing it and then spinning it back up and it's just yeah, in their yeah. mouth. Um, and I also loved how like when the fucking guy comes out with the cage of like birds and he kicks it open and there's people <laughs> in the crowd that are like, Jesus fucking Christ, like this bullshit. Like, yeah, like, they're they're like, like, oh, I can't believe we came to this opera house. <laughs> yeah, like they're so fucking like, oh, I can't fucking believe it. Like this is the bullshit they're pulling. <laughs> Not knowing that there's a murderer in the fucking crowd. Oh my god, I love it. And then he just like takes his gun out and starts like sh- I couldn't tell was he trying to shoot at Betty or was he trying to shoot at one of the crows? Like I assumed Betty, but I don't know. Yeah. Um also, I want to kind of go into I don't maybe you can enlighten me. What the fuck is that like dream that she kept having where <laughs> there's somebody like tied up? I assumed her mother, but I don't know. And then yeah. there's somebody else being like stabbed. Don't don't know who that lady was either. 
I don't know. I was reading about this too, and they said it's one of the it's known opera is known to have one of the most convoluted plots of Argento's movies, um, where meaning it, it just doesn't things don't make sense. So that part for me didn't really come back around at all. I thought that like you maybe that was the mom, but it's two different women. So at the beginning, when they showed the the woman tied up, I thought, okay, well, this is going to come back later in the movie. Like he's been the killer's been keeping these people locked up. Yeah, I thought so and too. And that never comes to fruition. And then the killer, the inspector, tells Betty that he was in a relationship with her mom, but her mom was like a sadist who liked to torture him and tie him up, and loved blood, and drove him to killing her. Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, so was she the one that was tied up or the one that was being killed? I would assume both, because who was the person being... Unless It looked like Betty the person was... was tied up and then forced to watch somebody else being killed. That's what it looked like. Yeah, but, I mean, it just wouldn't make any... It wouldn't make any sense from the movie, like, the plot, because that... Unless Betty is supposed to be that girl, but they look nothing alike, and I don't know why they wouldn't have just used Betty, because it's supposed to be that Betty suppressed this memory of her mom dying. Gotcha. And then that's all coming back. But it doesn't make sense because... Well, they showed a little girl, too, I thought, at one point, like, walking in on that. Or at least, at least, At least the little girl saw the woman, the blonde woman in the white shirt. She was tied up. He, she, I, I believe she saw that. Yeah. I don't know if she saw the actual murder of the other person, though. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, it was it's just one of those things that never gets resolved. Um, I didn't think it really, like killed anything in the movie it's just something you think about afterwards like oh i wonder what he was trying to do with that um, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck ever happened with that? <laughs> yeah uh but i mean the inspector you know then reveals that he's in love with betty um is obsessed with her is her biggest fan and then in after the whole thing at the opera he knocks marco out takes betty uh and ties her up and is like don't worry I'm a monster. I'm disfigured, which also gave me a big fans of the opera vibes. Um, and he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> and he starts throwing gasoline everywhere. And which was great. I thought, and then he gives her the gun and does he light the match? Is that what he does? Yeah. So he lights the match and then he tells her like, shoot me or else I'm going to light this. But the whole, then she's blindfolded. So yeah. he just kind of tells her where to aim the gun. And then he says, pull the trigger, like, or I'm going to drop the match kind of thing. But then what she doesn't realize is when she shoots, it causes him to drop the match and everything goes up in flames. She got got. But then it's revealed that he wasn't even... Well, then she tries... She undoes herself, like the ropes, and then she tries to escape, but the door's locked and she can't open it until people knock down the door. And one thing I'm going to say about this, I really <laughs> appreciated that they didn't just give this gun. She had unlimited ammo. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like she. So the inspector is shooting in the crowd a couple scenes earlier, and then, in order to untie herself, Betty shoots the rope, and then takes goes over to the door which is locked and shoots the lock, and then you can clearly see the gun is out of bullets. Right. So I really appreciated that. And I so she couldn't get out of the room, and then so people come. I think Marco and other people come knocking mm -hmm. the door down to let her out and save her, and then. I guess they let the bitch burn a little bit more and then they put him out and then it's revealed on the news that it wasn't even him. It was a, a fucking life-size dummy of him. How the <laughs> fuck is that not known within the first 10 seconds of putting that out? One. And two, if she's trapped in the room and can't get out, where the fuck did he go? 
Because you see, and it's so funny how they show him like going over to the corner while she's blindfolded and like throwing the fucking dummy into the fire and shit. But yeah. where did he go? Where the fuck did I he guess go? He just, he just went. There's probably a back door, or I mean, maybe he knew it's about an it. Opera yeah. House. yeah. I mean, that makes so sense. So he probably, I mean, he had been going around the opera house for a while now. But yeah, yeah so Marco takes her to the fucking sound of music set, apparently. And <laughs> <laughs> Betty's outside frolicking in the grass and sees like two German shepherds just run into the woods. And she's just like, oh okay. And then Marco watches the news and sticks his head out the window and he's like, Betty, he's alive. Run, run. And she just starts running through the hills. And then the inspector comes booking out of nowhere. Like he was going knees to chest. Well, <laughs> like he caught her ass. So he did. Well, she wasn't. Uh, <laughs> you call that well, running? This is just a perfect example of why women shouldn't compete with men. Okay. All because right. Because right. men are clearly faster and stronger, and you know, you know, even in yeah, it's unfair <laughs> when men transition to women and then compete with women. Oh my god! I hope Sam reaches over and smacks you across the fucking face right now. <laughs> Anyways, it actually shows that women are smarter because Marco just comes out there and what does he do? Nothing. He gets his ass killed. Hey, I didn't say that wasn't true. And then and they Betty, have smaller brains, but <laughs> Betty talks <laughs> the inspector and it's like, don't worry, I, I I see now what my mom saw in you and I really wanted you to kill Marco, so thank you for that. And she's like walking him away and he's in a trance and she bashes him on the head with a rock. And Why did that guy fucking... ever believe that? I don't know. Who the fuck believe? He's just like, oh, yeah, no, cool. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. He's like, I got one eye, and you still love me? <laughs> <laughs> love is blind. And then 50, 50 police officers come running out of the woods, and yeah, they get him, and they the dude is like shoving his gun in his face. I love that. He's like, you stay down, you stay down. And then they're like, the two detectives are walking with Betty, and they're like, oh, man, like, we watched you. Like, how did you know it was us? And she's like, I saw your two German shepherds running. Bitch, how do you know those – how do you know those two German shepherds are yeah, police and, dogs? And how how would they find her? They're supposed to be out – like, her and Marco are supposed to be out in the middle of nowhere, like, together, right? Yeah, like, and that's why, like you said, I thought Marco was just going to come running out. Yeah. He was going to have, like, a vest with, like, blood packets on it. And be like, don't worry. It's corn syrup. They used yeah. it in Kiri. <laughs> Pig's blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the end of the movie before she, I guess, shoes away or talks to some fucking lizard. Still don't understand that again. She like goes, yeah, she goes crawling away. She's like, I'm not what anybody thought I was. I am me. <laughs> I am. And then this lizard's like trapped on its back under like thorns or something. I thought she was going to kill it, honestly. I thought she was too. Yeah. I was kind of hoping she'd like bite its head off. Yeah. Um, but I, I would have to say though, my favorite, I, this, I mean, this is kind of off the top off subject but my favorite rendition of phantom of the opera this is a pretty good one my favorite one is probably the one from goosebumps though i don't know if you've ever seen that but the phantom of the theater is that what it's called was that a goosebumps one there was one that disney channel did an original movie it was like the phantom of the theater do you remember that uh no there's one that there's definitely a goosebumps one though and that shit bangs uh i'm gonna be honest i never really watched goosebumps growing up i mean i couldn't but yeah But I wasn't really interested anyway. Phantom of the Megaplex. That's what it was called. It was a 2000 Disney Channel original movie. And it had Taylor Handley, Caitlin. No, Taylor Handley, Caitlin Walks, Jacob Smith. Mickey Rooney was in it. That's the only person I know. Yeah, I mean, those kids are probably dead now. Um, <laughs> aren't they all? Aren't they all? Uh, 
yeah i mean i i love this movie um i had seen it once before um and it was still a little um spotty in my memory and so watching it again it was almost like a new movie and i thought it was great um it's so over the top it's so the kill scenes are just peak giallo like argento is is clearly the master and this movie i think it was his most expensive movie they said um but i i would say that with the most expensive with it being the most expensive movie it was probably like one of the lower quality movies in terms of how it was shot production wise um i definitely think that deep red suspiria look better like they're just shot better um but i love it and i i think it's it's great and an opera is just a really good creepy atmosphere to have these killings happen at what was your so, favorite kill so i think it would have to be stefano <laughs> i love how i love how julia does get like choked and stabbed and then she gets yeah, her throat yeah. cut open like that's awesome but like stefano when he gets that like knife through the bottom of his jaw and you mm-hmm. can see, they have like the close-up of the knife through it's like in his mouth it's fucking awesome yeah and then no, he just I... keeps getting like stabbed like over <laughs> and over i love that too i think i also love just how anytime there's a kill or a chase scene it's just metal music comes out of nowhere so that's another um thing with giallos usually like um like with slashers there's usually like a small musical cue and it gets a little quiet and then there's like jump scares or something happens with giallos it's like music just comes out of nowhere and it fucking just hits hard and then action happens like somebody dies or gets chased like it and that's kind of like the difference between or a main difference between like giallo and other mainstream kind of uh movies like this like the, the music when it comes on it comes on hard and it, it usually means that something's about to happen and it's not like they're lying to you where some uh like slashers will have that music to kind of trick you to being tense and then when it goes away then they scare you like this is just fucking like you said like the metal music and same thing with like demons it happens in demons mm-hmm. like every time there's anything like wild happening in demons it's just fucking like metal music like that guy on the fucking motorcycle slashing at people with, with the katana yeah yeah no that's uh, great so I, I do love the music too. Um, I appreciate how they do that. Usually it's not metal in most Giallo movies. Um, mm-hmm. It's more soothing music usually, but yeah, I, I love that too. I think, um, and maybe this isn't the best movie, <clears throat> excuse me, to talk about the music of a Giallo because most of this movie is full of opera music because it's yeah. opera. Um, so I'm sure in the next movies, we'll, we'll definitely go over the music that really heightens giallo films right um i mean and you can see it some of it was in this you know the metal um there were a couple sequences like at the end where betty is in the field um i think they were done really well um but we could definitely you know go over that as we actually have giallo music sounds good so if you had to rate this out of five what would you give it um i'd probably give it a four i think it's just fun i think it's it's really good. Um, the characters are all developed well. Like I said, I thought that the killer's identity was hidden until the big reveal for me. And the kills were just gory and frenzied. And I think that the camera work was super jarring. Um, and it really just created a great film watching experience. 
What about you? Um, I would, I would give it a 3.5 though. Um, not, I, I was, it's so Giallo. I love the stylization of it. I love the quirkiness that all or most Italian films of the time um, got from the dubbing. That's something we didn't mention earlier mm-hmm. either. Is most of these movies are all dubbed because a lot of them, these uh, spaghetti thrillers, when they were made, people often were pulled from different areas and they spoke their own language, and most of the time they're dubbed over because of that in just whatever uh, language like that coincides with the countries they're going to be releasing. So yeah. like they, a lot of these people, you can tell they spoke English, like with their mouth, like the way their mouths move, but obviously it was dubbed in Italian first released over there. And there's some people you can see are speaking English, but it's all dubbed in English and released over here. And yeah, um, I, I like that these kind of movies have that. Um, but so I, yeah, a lot of giallos like, for me are going to be about middle of the road. I enjoy them. Um, I don't think most of them are bad movies from what I've seen, uh, but this is a little bit on the better side, but I, I don't know if I could give this a four because that's way too close to a five for me. And I don't like, I don't think <laughs> well, that's it's how numbers that, work. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You got a point there, but I don't think it's that great of a movie, but I do enjoy it. I think yeah. it's worth watching. I do think it's a good time. Um, I thought that the crows are a very good element and unique. Um, and yeah, I mean, Christina, whatever the fuck her name is that played Betty. Yeah. I thought she did a real good job. Yeah. I thought she did too. Um, there's another movie that she, I just saw her come back into the spotlight. Um, I mean, you have malignant and last night in Soho, which are supposed to be leading this quote unquote giallo revival <clears throat> that we're going to experience. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, but she seems to be popping back up. There, there's not a lot of film filmography for her, but I really wish there was and I and I hope to see her in more films. Let me ask you this. For opera, would you watch this again if it wasn't to review it? Like would you just watch it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I call that a success then. Because yeah. I mean, there are tons of giallos that I've seen, and I'm sure I haven't seen as many as you that I would never watch again. I'm like, I, well. <laughs> I've only seen a handful, honestly. I'm not like the biggest. Like, I, when I first asked if anybody wanted to do this with me, like you, Mark, or Rob, um, I, it was because I wanted to explore more of them. I have seen some, and I own a couple, um, mostly because I can find them to download. <laughs> but. I know with like um, vinegar syndrome coming out and like arrow video uh, come out with like uh, they're especially vinegar syndrome. They're coming out with the more obscure ones, but like arrow, it was kind of like the front runner in putting out um, newer versions or at least updated versions of mm-hmm. um, these old films, releasing them in, you know, 1080 or 4k. And so we have more access to them. And I, I just wanted to be able to explore them because I, I like them personally. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think it's great. I mean, I, uh, and what's great about Giallo, and like I said earlier, is, is there's so many movies and directors that were influenced by it. So, like, I was watching a, a De Palma movie the other night, and Brian De Palma is known to be a huge champion of Giallo, and he's influenced very heavily by it. Um, so I, I, I just think it's insane that I hadn't really gone into this kind of genre before um but i'm really excited that we're doing this so that we can actually talk watch and talk about a bunch of these movies agreed yeah well that's a bit that's about all i got for this movie 
Yep, that's all I really have too. Um, no so, encore, if you will. <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. So I'm still going to say, uh, please give us a rate and review on Apple Podcast. Um, if you do, we'll read it on the show, the main show, I guess. And, you know, um, we'll send you some stickers if you'd like. Just got to let us know who you are. Um, and then you can also leave us a voice message on anchor.fm slash podcast. And like I said, once we start getting those, we'll either put them in a segment or their own little mini episode. I don't know. Um, we just need people to actually go over there and do it. You can say whatever you want. You could compliment us. You could tell us we're fucking stupid. You can recommend things. You can just tell us about your day. You can tell us. Some... I heard a podcast where somebody had a, like, uh, they do like, I guess, voice messages and somebody just talked about how they shit their pants one day. And I would 110% love to hear your story about how you shit your pants. So it's probably me. Um, but yeah, that's all I really have. Um, yeah. I would also say like, if you, if anybody out there has any suggestions for Giallo films that we should talk about on the segment, you know, please let us know. Cause right now, I mean, we're just kind of picking the ones that look really good to us or that we may have seen once before or heard somebody else. Um, so feel free to drop suggestions in there too. Um, send us messages on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you know, we'll definitely, definitely love to hear that. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and I guess that's it for me. Yeah, that's it for me. See ya. Bye.